Hey guys, how you doing? My name is uh, Michael, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Youth, and uh, we're excited for you to be here. If you're new, welcome. Thanks for coming, and uh, we appreciate you taking your time on a Tuesday night from all the amazing things that you have to do uh, to be here with us and to join this community and all the beautiful things that we get to learn and just knowing who Jesus is and following God and all of this weird language that we church people say all the time, but we're just grateful that you're here, uh, that you can enjoy yourselves, and uh, if there are things like through the service, uh, you're not familiar with church or anything, and you see people who are like lifting up their hands or doing strange things like that, like don't feel pressured or moved in any way to do any of that stuff, just kind of feel like you're here, you're a guest with us, and uh, we want you to feel right at home, so that's our first and foremost thing, so if you're a guest here, once again, welcome. Uh, we're pumped. Today we're doing a one-off message. It's kind of just random. Uh, I feel like God uh, placed this really in my heart for us. And I don't know why. Maybe I think a lot of it has to do with me. And a lot of it was uh, just me kind of working out a lot of different things in my own life and just kind of hitting this and going, you know what, I feel like this is something we, we need to share. And uh, so if you guys got Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, there's going to be kind of a big illustration uh, through this passage, and I think it's really interesting that Paul uses that metaphor the whole way through, and I'm not one for, like, titling my sermon or whatever, but if I was going to, for you note-takers out there, um, I, I would just probably call it, like, keep on walking. Just keep on walking, and, and I think it's a pretty interesting illustration for us to, to kind of have for us. So, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, we're going to go through verses 1 to nine and this is what it says finally then brothers we ask and urge you in the lord of jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please god just as you are doing that you do so more and more for you know what instructions we gave you through the lord jesus for this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because he, the Lord, is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, it sounds super intense, but I, I promise you, as we go through it, it'll, it'll lighten up, and we'll get to see as to like what Paul is really trying to say for us and how it's going to help us in our life. So let's pray, and uh, we'll move into what, uh, what this whole thing is. Father, we just uh, we thank you. I pray that we could just steady our hearts, and we could kind of throw away all of the other things that are happening in life. For just maybe a singular moment, as we enter into here, that we'd be rid of distractions, of all of the other things that are happening, and we could just focus in, and we could be strengthened by your word and encouraged by your word as you're calling us to something different, whether we are in the church or out of it, that God, we would see something. Maybe for the first time, we would be exposed to who you really are, that we would look at why we do any of this so differently, and that you would make such an impressionable mark in our hearts as we leave these doors today to go out to the places that we go and to be different and to act different and to think differently about our lives. Uh, I pray that you would do much through this. Holy Spirit, we invite that you would work in this place and uh, allow us to just be open to, to your teaching. 
So, Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we want to pray. Amen. Walking is a weird thing, right? This is Paul's central illustration for this whole thing, walking, like walking. Walking to me is a weird, like walking. Like it's not, like when I think exercise, I think really fast walking, right? Which we call running. So you're booking it somewhere, like I can see the benefit of that, right? So if you're a fast walker, um, right, we have uh, Wyatt or whatever, he does, he does race walking, right? So that's a thing that he does. And uh, his hips move like Shakira, like it's all that, right? So he does that, and that's his motion of exercise, right? I say he does something else, but he's a race walker. So um, we have that kind of a thing. And then we have different kinds of walking that we call different things, but for no reason, right? So if you walk this way, it's called walking. If you do this, we call that a hike, right? So walking for us is a really interesting, strange metaphor for life. That's the way that the Bible uses it, in your walk. Your walk is not you strolling down the street with your friends and your buddies. The way that Paul is using it is that walk, your walk is your life. It's this kind of road or this long journey, and you are walking along this journey. The walk is your life. I remember being a kid, and uh, my biggest idol when I was young was my uncle. My uncle was awesome. I, uh, I Obviously, if you've been here for a while, you know my story, and uh, grew up without a dad, and my uncle was kind of like my pseudo-dad growing up, and I remember this one Christmas where this dude was the best. Like, I idolized every part of him. And, uh, and one time, like, for probably five straight years, I had put, like, I want a dog for Christmas, right? I want a dog, like a little cute puppy that I just want to, right? Like, I just wanted that kind of dog, right? And I put it into the, the list multiple times over. I want this dog. Like, this is my only important thing that I want, this dog. And uh, I'm upstairs. I'm playing some Super Smash with my bros, right, my cousins, and we're playing Super Smash. I'm killing on Link, and, uh, and I'm murking them. And all of a sudden, it's Christmas, and I hear from downstairs barking. <laughs> Probably way better than that or whatever. I hear from downstairs, and I'm like, oh, no. And you know when you're kind of younger and you try to play it off like you're being cool, but really you're freaking out on the inside, right? For some of you, that was yesterday when so-and-so said, anyways, so I, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm sweaty all over. I'm like, this is the moment that's going to change my life forever. So I freak out. I book it downstairs. And I'm like, this is the, like, this is, this is, ah, like, I'm freaking out. I'm like half crying as I'm going down. Then there's snot everywhere. And I look down, and I can't see anything. And then it finally catches my eye. On the couch is my uncle with a stuffed dog barking at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, this man is the most evil human being, right? This guy's evil. Not only is he evil for doing this trick on me and destroying all of my soul, he did it while looking like a drug lord, right? He was like this small Spanish with a belly, the dirty stash, like he had it all. I was like, you could have other careers. Anyways, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, man, like, that's the dude I idolize, and he destroys me with this dog thing. And then you have that moment, which is kind of funny, and then you have these other moments where I saw my uncle, and uh, I, I remember this once again, another Christmas, and the GameCube had just come out. Woo! The GameCube, that was where it was at, right? So we're all freaking out. Me and my boys are like, you getting the GC? Like, that's what we usually call it, the GameCube. What are you going to get? And we, like, freak out about it. And I thought to myself, like, oh, man, like, my cousins are going to get it because... You know, they make more money, like I just, my mom, mom's like, you want to buy the GC, you know what I mean? Like, I want 
purple one. The other boys wanted the black one, but I'm like, purple man. And I'm like kind of sad because it's Christmas and, and whatever. And I didn't think I was going to get this, uh, this GameCube. And all of a sudden, Christmas comes along and we're all sitting around. We're all getting our presents. And my uncle pulls out this box and gives it to my cousins. And, and they open it up. And they start freaking out. And I'm sitting there kind of depressed and emo about it, you know, like, I wish I had people that loved me, right? Like, and I'm sitting there in the corner doing that, you know. You do that when you don't get leftovers or whatever. I don't know. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I, I didn't get what I wanted, and I was kind of sad about it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, last gift, my uncle goes, and just behind the train, he picks up the exact same size box, and he gives it to me. And he said these words, and he said, come on. If I was going to get it for my own kids, I was going to get it for you. I'm like, oh, it's right in the soul, you know. There are these words, there are these things in life that just stick with you. And you all know them. There are these positive little tiny things. Like I've mentioned, one time when I was in grade 11 and we did a math exam, and we were studying so hard to get good on this math exam, and I was doing this question on the board, and I killed the question. And this small little lady, she's like five foot, like, negative, right? She's a tiny little Asian lady who was my teacher, Mrs. Lau, and she looked at me and she goes, wow, you're just a little mathematician. I remember that moment and going like, I am. Like, that's beautiful, right? Like, freaking out, like that little moment. I remember little moments in my life of these, like, encouraging things, like these little tiny words that are so big to me, and, and you probably have the same thing. Negatively, we have the same thing, these little tiny words, and all of a sudden, my uncle in that moment is going, man, like, if I was going to give that to my own kid, like, I want to give that to you. Everything about this guy, I wanted to follow. I wanted to be exactly like him, right, in the, in the, in the winter times, and it was getting all snowy out. My uncle would always be the first person walking in the snow. And we all kind of know it when it snows in Canada and it's everybody's like footprints everywhere and you're kind of awkwardly trying to step into the footprints because you don't want the snow to go into your socks and then it's all nasty and then you take your socks off of your friend's house and you're like, you're gross, right? Like we don't want any of that to happen. And I remember being really little and my, my uncle would sit there and he would, he would be the first person to step in this fresh snow and he would create this footprint and I would be there like lounging and like lunging to like go and, and try to get to the next one because his steps were way bigger than mine and I'm kind of tiny little fetus, right? And he's like this big old man and he's making these steps and I look stupid and really silly trying to step in his footprints and yet I'm still trying to do it anyways and it's really difficult for me, but that's kind of the whole point. So when Paul brings up this whole idea, all of what I've just said comes into play. What are my eyes on? Who am I trying to follow? In what kind of way am I walking? And look at what he says, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in, in who? The Lord Jesus. Jesus. That's who all of this is about. If you're new here, you don't know what we're about, we're about Jesus. That's first and foremost. Yes, we want to have a good time. Yeah, we want to eat good snacks. Yeah, we want you guys to enjoy yourselves. Those are all awesome side effects. But the main purpose of why we are here in the room is because we want to worship Jesus. That's what we're about. The vantage point of this whole night is Jesus. The vantage point of what we hope your life is going to be is about Jesus. And Paul, first and foremost, goes to these people and says, listen, the most important thing we want to urge you and we want you to receive this 
in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. And we read that the first time when we kind of skip past, honestly, what I, I read and I was just broken and like shattered about. Like one more time, let's see if you pick it up. Finally, then brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. What's the part of that that should stick out to you? It's three words that for me were life shattering. Three words that change everything about how we do this. He says, you ought to walk and to please God. To please God. Like, that's crazy to me. That, the, that, that what you are walking for and towards and the whole motivation and intention of your walk via the, your life is, is one thing. That you would walk to please God. Now, we in Christian circles do not get that as the main vantage point of why you do what you do. Like, I would love if there were some non-Christians who looked at us and were like, man, like, you just live your life to please God. Like, you just want to please him with your life. Like, that's crazy. But we don't think like that. We don't at times. Like, how often in life, in this Christian walk that we have... And our Christian life is everything about us. Man, look at our prayers. Listen to our prayers. Imagine if you put that into some kind of a graph. How much of the percentage of our own prayers would be about me, 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 me? Even the people that you're praying for. <coughs> maybe you're only probably praying for them because they are somehow connected back to you. God, I, I just pray... That I would do well on my exam. God, I pray for my family. God, I pray that I do better in so-and-so thing. God, I pray that I recover in so-and-so way. God, I pray that I no longer am going to go and do that thing. I pray that you would give me better friends. And at no point in any of these thoughts has it ever gone to like, man, do I want to actually through my life just want to please you, God? Like when you look at me, like you're so joyous and you're overflowing with, you're seeing me in my life and you're going, wow, man, I'm pumped for you. Like when is that ever our motivation for life? That we would so know God and want to know God in our hearts that we would go, God, all I want to do is please you. Now that's crazy for someone who does not belong to the church. Right? They would come up and they would say pretty, pretty, pretty frankly, so the whole point and vision of your life is you want to go and you want to worship some invisible person in the air. That's probably pretty frank of how they would say it. And then the weird thing about how you and I would respond to that comment is like, yeah. <laughs> like, you, you do understand if the, if the whole point of who you are is about Jesus, if, if your life is, is surrounded and wanting to be about knowing who he is on the deepest level of who you are. If, if everything about you on the inside wants to know the Jesus who saved and gave everything for you in your life, then the motivation of you doing things is not so you can get something out of it. 
God, am I pleasing you? Like, I, I've wrestled and been tortured by this question all week long. Like, I'm looking at my life and going, man, I'm so selfish. It's about me. It's about me. Like, how self-centered is my own heart that I don't walk every day going, God, how do I just please you in this? How do I please you in my marriage? How do I please you when I'm at school or at work? or in my friendships, or in relationships, or in the way that I'm talking, or in my actions. Like, God, I just want everything to please you. I don't do that. And it's so weird because for us, we're constantly in this rhythm of challenging God in so many different ways. When we want a vision of what we want for our life, or what to do next, or how do I accomplish this, or, or God, what do I do here? So often we go to him with this weird kind of vision of who he is, as this like faraway God who parachutes into your life, ever so often, but isn't really involved. And then we ask him for stuff, and we say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. Once again, kind of just wanting our own thing, and then he doesn't deliver. And we're like, ah, we're frustrated. And we're mad, and we're angry, because God did not give us what we wanted, because really, out of all of this, who's the one that I want to be pleased? Me. And I had to sit there. And go, so you're telling me that I'm following a God who gave everything else for the other. Who gave everything he could for someone else. To love someone else. To care for someone else. To be and give everything to the other. And I'm living my whole life going, God, make me happy. Allow me to be pleased. In my perspective, everything in my perspective has to change. God, how do I please you? Not so I can gain or have any reward. How do I please you? How do I make you be the person who does this? How do I make you be the one who looks at my life and go, man, I'm so, so proud. Like at times we get caught in this situation where we want to do something in life and we go after the will of God or what God chooses or what he wants for us to do. And we do it in the reverse order because in anything in life, you want to ask people about what you should be doing. Maybe you go to your parents and you go, mom or dad, what should I do with this? Or friend or coworker or, or whatever, what should I go and do with this? And most likely you're asking that person a question about what you should do with your life without noticing that you have something really, really important that when you go to God, you don't actually have, which is when you ask your mom, when you ask your dad how you should do so or so or so or so thing, there is a relationship there. And before you ask what the will of God is, you actually know and you should know and you should be asking for God, what's your heart? Before you even get to, God, what do you want me to do? You have to answer the question, God, who are you? Who are you? Because as soon as you know who God is, which is the main question of why we show up here, the mission of your life and our whole ministry, is we want to go and see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's the point of why we're here. Because we want people to use their eyes for the very first time to see people in the way that Jesus saw them. To see your actions in the way that, that Jesus saw them. What did Jesus go and do? He went and healed. And he went and spoke the kingdom out to everywhere that he went. Why? Because it's almost as if Jesus had a very, very clear intention and motivation for his life. 
It's like in everything he wanted to do, he wanted to give glory and honor, and he wanted to please God. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying all of those things so desperately to go, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. The weirdest paradox of the Christian life, that we, for the rest of our life, are pursuing someone who pursued us first. That we're continuously wanting to know someone that we already know. Because we want to please them. And that seems so weird for us. Like That seems like a strange thing until you put it into human terms. And you go, that's actually quite logical. As soon as you know someone, you're going to want them to please them. Think about my relationship with my wife. I sit there and I, I, know, I know my wife. I love my wife. I married my wife. I've become weirdly like my wife. There are moments with my wife that I go, no, you know what? I'm not doing this, right? So she watches this TV show on the couch all the time. And she falls asleep on the couch. So I, like a loving, beautiful human being, go and I'm, I walk over to her on the couch and she's like, ah, right? And I'm like, honey, let's go to bed. And every single time, she's so mean to me. Ah, right? And I'm like, what is this? Darling love, I'm just trying to please you. You don't like sleeping on the couch. Just trying to help, right? And in everything, I look at my wife, and I look at her. I look at our relationship. And the deeper I got to know her, the deeper I got to know her, I wanted to do things differently with her that I didn't want to do with any other person. I realized that I had past relationships with other people, and I didn't put a lot of effort into them, really, right? I kind of just, like, slid, slid through those relationships, like, the bottom level is of what I could possibly do. It's like Valentine's, I'm like, hey, good work, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, my wife comes in the picture, and I'm like, dude, there is nothing I could possibly imagine more than just pulling off something awesome. Something incredible, like everything about me knowing her more and more deeply is like, I just want to be more and more extravagant. Like, I don't know what it is about me and my attachment to her, but I wanted to go big just because out of anything, I just wanted to see her smile at the end of it. I did something that was incredibly stupid. When I was younger and I met my wife, I, uh, I would talk to her via Facebook Messenger and we decided to get into this thing where we would send each other wedding proposal videos. Why? I'm 14. Marriage to me is like not close, right? Like, I'm, why am I sending marriage? I'm 14 years old. I don't even have a mustache at that point. I don't know what shaving is. I've never heard of a tax. Like, I don't know anything. Like, what am I thinking about marriage proposal videos, right? Now, some of you are offended because you're 14. You don't know what a tax is, okay? So all of a sudden, I get into this place where we start sending these things back. I'm kidding. Okay, so we're sending these things back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over and over and over again. And we're doing all this stuff. And then life passes by. We go, we meet other people. And all of a sudden, in this weird way, we find ourselves back together. We, and we end up dating. We get engaged. 
and my mind goes back to when I was 14 years old, sending my, my now wife these stupid marriage proposal videos, and all through our dating relationship, and all the time that I knew her, like, the deepened relationship between me and her, like, it propelled something out of me where I was like, I gotta go big, man. I gotta go big, not just because I want some crazy little story or whatever, because I know she would love it. I did something crazy. I told one person, and I was like, hey, at that point, she was living in Dubai. She was working for an airline. She was flying all over the world. I knew where she was going to fly. She was going to fly to Japan. And so I got on an airplane, and I flew to Japan, and it was the scariest place I've ever been in my entire life. I went to Disneyland. Mickey Mouse is screaming at me in Japanese. I only know Goku. Like, that's the only word I know. I kept saying, and they didn't understand. You know what I mean? Uh, Anyway, so we go there, and I surprise her. I get on one knee, and I start going with this presupposed, like this, this pre-thought-out speech about what I was going to say. I love you. Love all beauty about you. You make me giggle in my heart, right? Like, what does that mean? I don't know. It happens. And uh, in the most beautiful moment, me just standing up and looking at her in true joy, true joy. Everything in life, the deeper that I knew her, all of what was in me wanted to give her everything I possibly could. My soul there just wanted, the deeper that I knew her, wanted to love her in such a way that she would be happy, that she would be joyous in everything in life. Now that's someone who in my life is equal. That's my wife. That's my equal. This is nowhere close to God. So me and my wife are on the same page, and this is how I'm acting. I have to look back at my own life, and I go, why am I not doing the same thing as him? There's only one real question. The real question is, do I actually know? scariest thing in my heart that everything that's in me listen to what i'm like i get up on stage every single week i meet with people every single week i work at a church and my whole thing is do i put enough time living my life in such a way where i go god all my desire everything i want is just to be known by like i'm known by you like the God of the universe who created all things, like knows who I am and gave everything for me in a, like a way that I could never possibly imagine. Like he gave me everything. All I should want to do at that point is just live in gratitude and thankfulness and going like, God, all I want to do back is just know who you are. Like actually know you, like not sitting here in this way where we're going like, Read your Bible, pray more. It's like, no, 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 those are not the point. The only reason why we say read your Bible or pray more or go and love people is solely for the vision of man. I want you to see Jesus more clearly. I want you to see the way that he goes and does things. When he goes and he talks to the woman at the well who he shouldn't be going and talking to. A, because she's a woman outside of his family. And that's not done at that point. And also because of who she was. She was an outsider. Nobody liked her people. And Jesus shows up to this well and begins this conversation with her. To 
this beautiful conversation, and I look at that, and I see Jesus, and I go, there's something about what he does. He includes the outsider. He loves the people he's not supposed to, that I want to see more clearly in my own life. That's, out of anything, the person who I want to follow, the person whose walk I most want to imitate. And it's awkward, and it's weird, and it's like me trying to step in those footprints where I'm starting off and it looks so stupid, me lunging so far to try and step in the ways that he's stepping. And where you begin to realize that the more you walk and the, the more you keep on stepping, is that the, the more you grow and the more you mature, if my uncle was walking in the same snow steps, how would it be for me now? It would be pretty easy. Why? Because I just grew up. I matured. It's the same thing for you and I. At the beginning, the walk is not easy. And you will be misunderstood. You will be questioned as to why you're wanting to do things. But if your whole life is given to Jesus, if your whole life is given to Jesus, literally the most misunderstood human being on earth, and you go, everybody should know why I'm doing everything. That doesn't make sense. I had these times where I would go to these parties with all of my friends, and I was drinking with them for a long time, and then one day, I don't know what happened, God just got my heart in such a way where I'm like, man, it's like I saw him for the first time. Everything switched on me, and I was like, no, 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 I shouldn't be going here to go get drunk and, and do all the other dumb things that I'm doing here. I should go here and have actual purpose for being here. So I became the mom of those things. I just walked in, I had a backpack, I had like bread in my backpack, I had extra socks, right? I was closer with my friends at that point than any other time in life. Like my friend Talon, who's sitting here on this couch, and he's right? And the little, little thing just vomit on himself, and I'm like, bro, I got you, man, right? I was the mom, like I felt like I was like the nurse of that, those parties. I'd go, dude, let me clean your shirt, I got an extra one, don't worry about it, I'll drive you home. Like all of a sudden, my whole life was different. And you would think, man, that's cool. Wow. Slugger, so nice. Oh. I'd have my friends offer me a beer. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. Dude, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? You're a joke now. My best friends in the world. Like, nah, I just don't want to. I'm okay. I had to live through that. Same age as you. Where I sat there and I had to seriously ask myself the question. If my whole life, my whole life is about following Jesus, that means I have to look completely different from the people whose whole life is about following money. If I follow Jesus, my whole life has to be about way different than the person whose whole life is about walking and following sex or being with the next hookup or living their life for the weekend or for material goods or for education. If my whole life is based around who Jesus is, I have to look different from those people. And that means I'm going to be misunderstood. But the question applies. For those of you who belong to the church, the question has to be, why are you here? Why are you here? Is 
because you're actually living your life in a way where you're saying, like, man, God, you gave me everything. I know you. I want to be known by you. Or is it kind of just this thing where we're saying, like, man, I'm just coming because I get something out of it. We have not done a very good job as Christians living our life as kind to the things that we're known for. If I'm following Jesus, if I'm wanting to with everything I possibly can to pursue him, then why are we as Christians known for the dumbest things that we should not be known for? Being judgmental? I, I look at Jesus and Jesus says, hey man, if you threw the first stone, it means you haven't sinned. And there's this woman caught in adultery, stuck on the floor, half naked, sitting there. And Jesus goes, you can throw the stone if you haven't messed up. And all the guys sit there and they're just like, whatever, man. And they all walk away. And, and what would you think, if this is Christians, if Christians imitate him, what do you think Jesus would do? He'd probably walk over, rebuke her for being so ridiculous and crazy. No. He just walks over and he says, oh, no one threw anything at you? They, they didn't judge you for anything? Well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's love. Going to talking to the outsider who nobody else wants to love, that's, that's love. And you want to know why no one wanted to talk to that woman? Racial problems. She was of a different race and people didn't want to talk to her. So what did Jesus go and do? Jesus went and pursued after that woman and said, hey, listen, I know you're not with your husband, you've been with a bunch of other people, but listen, I'm going to give you hope in this moment. So if it's not the judgment of their sin, if it's not racial boundaries, what about the same woman who's caught in that situation and has been sleeping and moving with a bunch of different people, and sexually she is not the most moral person in the world? And yet we as Christians sit here all high and mighty looking down at that person because you have a weird different sexual orientation. Because you, you do things differently than we do. So we're going to sit here and we're going to put ourselves in a pedestal and look down on you. Because we are high and, high and mighty. We know what's good and you're bad. And I look at Jesus and I go, there's nothing about what he does that does that to them. Jesus never, through any of the gospels, rebukes the people who are in the issue. Who does he rebuke? He goes and rebukes the people who think they know it all. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people. That's who he goes, listen, who are you? Stop acting like a bunch of snakes. Go and love people. What are you doing? Trying to throw rocks at them? Trying to expel them and kick them out of worship services? Who are you? If you are an imitator of Jesus, you are not someone who pushes forward the agenda of racial injustice or of boundaries or pushing past that person or making rude comments about that they're gay. Are we serious? For have your whole life pursuing and being urged to please God is for us to follow in the footsteps who in everything he did broke down the boundaries that in Christ there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no Roman, there is no barbarian, there is no male, there is no female. This is what Paul calls out in all of us. In Christ we are all one and the same. So what are we doing? To follow him with everything that you have is to be completely different from the people on the outside. 
even though I don't like you and you've harmed me and you've done horrible things to me, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to love you. Why? Because Jesus did that. And that's my sole purpose in life is to be like him, to be walking in the way that he walked, to go where he went. And what did he do? He sacrificed his whole life on behalf of the other. So why am I not doing the same? purpose for all of us as we are sitting here in this room is not that you would come out of it as this self-righteous, I'm awesome individual. It's that when people look at you and when people see you, they see someone who knows Jesus, whose whole life is dictated by worshiping and pleasing who he is. And a lot of the times we let things hold us back. Paul mentions this as he moves forward. Starting verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all of these things as he told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. All Paul is saying is, listen, if you are walking in the ways that we've informed you, that your whole life is dictated about walking the steps that Jesus walked, to imitate and be exactly like him, then the will for your life as a follower of Jesus that has given him your whole heart and everything is this, is this weird word called sanctification. Sanctification solely means one thing, that you are becoming more and more like Jesus. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. I sit there and I look at my, life, my wife, and I love my wife. But me, I have to look at her before I marry her and say, is this someone I want to be more like? Of course. Right? She's so loving. She's so merciful. I look at her one day and I'm going to go, man, she's going to be the best mom to my kids. She's not that funny, but we'll work, right? Like, we got all that wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm kidding, Blake. Um, I look at her and I go, man, that's someone who I want to be more like. Do you, do you realize that the more and more you get to, if you want to imitate and be more like someone, it's about the level of depth of love that you have for that individual? I think that's what we miss. It's not just doing things to do them. Paul's whole point here is, man, you know who Jesus is, and you know what he's done for you. You know the purpose for your life is to become more like him. You know that he's won victory for you on the cross and through the resurrection. You know that sin and death no longer has any sting. You know that all of these crazy, weird sins and addictions and problems that you have in your life no longer affect you to the point where they can push you away from God himself. So if none of those things apply to you, if none of those things can harm you anymore, why do you keep living in a way that they do? Right? Sin for a Christian is where Jesus walks over to you, sees you chained up to the wall, takes the key and unlocks you. And you walk out and for a moment you get this brief sense of air and you're unlocked. You are completely free. And yet at times in our lives, even though we're, no, we're free from that sin and all the death and all the sting and all of the crazy things, in our lives we go, I know that I'm free, but I keep walking back to the wall and grabbing the same chain and putting it around myself and locking myself in. Paul's saying, 
are you crazy? Like, that makes no sense. Imagine if your house is on fire and someone comes in, a firefighter goes and he grabs you and he pulls you out. Why do you keep walking back towards the house? That's all he's, you've, you've been freed from those things. Like, why do you keep going back to the thing that you're not? And every single one of us has that. Every single one of us in our life has that thing where we go, that's awesome. I know you're telling me that I'm going to become more and more like Jesus if I believe in him, if I give him my whole life. <coughs> but I don't think I'm actually going to get there because of this thing or because of this thing or because of this thing. It's because when I get around these kinds of people, I act very differently than I do at church. It's when I get around those kinds of people, you should see the way that I gossip. You should see the way that I lie. Or when I go with my school friends and I, I believe in Jesus, but you should see my language, man. I'm swearing and I'm doing all of these different things. And the main reason why you think you cannot be more like Jesus is all the results of your behavior and your performance. And you think that's the thing that's going to hinder you from knowing him? You think those things are the most important parts of your life? And I think we've missed the whole point. This is not behavior modification. This is not, if you have a problem with swearing, let's bring you in and let's give you a Bible study and see if we can change that. No. Times when I have people come in and they say, man, I have a problem with this or I have a problem with this or I have a problem with this. It's not to give them tips or techniques or to do anything differently with them. It's just to look at them and say, listen, I, I need you to look more at Jesus. I need you to know who he is and understand him. Because as soon as you do that, as soon as you set your eyes, then your heart and your mind will be enlarged with the love that he has given and offered to us. And as soon as your eyes are set, your heart and your mind are enlarged, then the rest of your body and the rest of what you are is going to fall along. Sin. Sin. Has been defeated. Sin. Has been trampled. Sin has been paraded down the streets with Jesus screaming celebration and victory for everyone who believes in him. So let's not act in a way where we keep going back to the things that he's already won for us. And we do it all the time. And we're so embarrassed with the things in our hearts. But I think there's this beautiful moment where we look at ourselves and we see this. And, and we have all of these weird insecurities. But I, I think this is beautiful. This guy named Augustine, this old dead guy, he... Um, he relates his whole life in this way. He says, my, my soul is like a house, small for you to enter, but I pray you to enlarge it. It is in ruins, but I ask you to remake, to remake it. It contains much that you will not be pleased to see, that I know and do not hide, but who is to get rid of these things? There is no one but you. I think in my life, one of the things that I've learned so beautifully is though fear tries to tell me otherwise, the truth is that the size of my failures will never eclipse God's ability to redeem them. God is more than able to deal with your sin. God is more than able to deal with your problem. And your walk might look weird right now, and it might look awkward, and it looks like you're lunging for the next footprint. You might look strange, but the only advice Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep on walking. Keep on with every single step. Don't go back to the things that he's won for you. This is the way that uh, John Bunyan puts it. He says, uh, 
Let the kingdom be always before you and believe with certainty and consistency the things that are yet unseen. Let nothing that is on this side of eternal life get inside of you, that when your eyes are set and your mind and your heart are enlarged, everything else will fall into. And we get so discouraged in our walk and our everyday that we look and we say, man, I actually don't please God. And we look at ourselves and we go, man, I, I look at my life and I want to be over there. I see that person as who I am, right? They're way better than me. I feel, that's so far different. Like, I don't want to be this guy. I, I want to be the guy who's over here. He has all of the qualities, all those things that I'm trying to be like. It's this vision of yourself that you are striving after. And we sit here, and I think maybe the smallest of things is that we change our perspective one time. Just one time. We're constantly discouraging ourselves. We're constantly living in this age of low self-esteem and beating ourselves up about things. And I look at my life and I go, I'm not there yet, even though I want to be. I want to be that guy over there. We sit there and we discourage ourselves and we put ourselves into fear and we go, I'm not that guy. We sit there and we, and we mope about those things. I'm not there. It takes one moment. It takes one single thing. What if instead of constantly looking at that person who you're not, what if for one second you turned around and you go, yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm not where I want to be. But I'm definitely not where I started off. If, if I'm not there, if I turn around for one second and I go, wow, that's where I was. Instead of constantly beating yourself up about who you are not, maybe you need to turn around and start being grateful for who you are not. The beauty of the walk is that if you are faithful and you believe in Jesus, what God promises, if you put your faith in him, keep on walking. We'll get you there. Keep on walking. Don't give up. Have some endurance. Start with the end in mind. If you know that's where you're going to get to, trust me, we'll get you there. Keep on walking. Don't give up. I know there's pressures. I know there's temptations. I know there's issues. I know there's problems. Just keep walking. Keep doing the things that we're calling you to do. And it's not about performance. It's not about your behavior. It's not about I swear or I gossip or I lie. It's not those things. It's one singular thing. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus to the point where all of your life is oriented around, man, do I want to please you in everything I do? That's the basic question for tonight. Make the, the biggest question that we can answer. Do you know who Jesus is? And if not today, do you want to? Jesus changes everything. His love changes everything. And I pray that at this moment in your heart, you would everything in your being go, that's what I want. I want to be more like him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that as uh, as we see you, 
part of our growing in the capacity of love that you have offered to us. That the gospel of your life, your perfect life, your death on a cross, your resurrection, that all of these ideas that we're giving our life to you. And that as we know you and as we get closer to who you are and we're so connected to you that the, the outworkings of our life is, and do I please you? It's not about me. It's not about what I get. It's not if I become a better person. It's God, do, do I please you? pray that as we would leave here, we would see people differently, that if we want to walk in the way that Jesus walked, that we would see with the eyes that he has, that we would love with his kind of a love. We would be different, not the Christians that everybody looks at and go, wow, they're so judgmental. Look at the way they look at those people. How could they believe those things? That we would transcend all of those things. That people would look at me and go, man, that's someone who compliment that could ever be offered to me. Someone could see me and go, that's someone who knows Jesus. I pray that that idea will be so clear in the hearts of these students and these leaders that as we move forward, we just keep on walking and become more and more like the image of your son. When gratitude is in sight, we lock our eyes on who he is. So Father, we thank you. We love you. We just want to pray. Amen.